Our lesson this morning comes from the fifth chapter of the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5, the first five verses of the fifth chapter. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to His grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God, and not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Friends, this is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. When Catholic monks started gathering in monasteries, they looked for a piece of technology that would call the community to prayer. And so they started ringing little handbells. And when the monks heard the handbells, they would gather, monks and nuns, would gather in the chapel for prayer. That happened six times a day, and the church says, hmm, this is a good idea. So to call the community to prayer, they came up with bigger bells. These were bells that would sit on a a stand, and you would walk by and hit it with a mallet. It not only called the community to prayer, it would call the town to prayer, and people would join. And so they kept working on their technology, and finally they decided what we're going to do is we're going to put the clapper inside the bell, and we're going to hang the bell way up high in a bell tower the top of the cathedral, and they would ring it, and it would call the community to prayer, and it would call the village to prayer, and it would call the outlying uh, people to prayer. And for centuries, the church bell is how the church impacted its culture. The church bells rang when it was time to come to worship. The church bells would ring at baptisms. The church bells would ring and peal at weddings, announcing a new couple. The church bell would ring at a birth and at a death. The church bells were both the welcome to strangers that wanted to find a community of faith and warmth, and they were also a warning They sometimes warned the village that um, an army was approaching or they would call people who were there to put out fires if there was a fire and they, they would need to gather. So a church bell was the way that the ancient and medieval church communicated with its community. And bell ringers actually became highly paid professionals in the community, and a bell ringer could ring up to three bells simultaneously, three ropes, a hand and one in the foot. I don't want to try the bell ringing move because I'd probably fall off the stage and um, would ring my bell. There you go. Church bells are a part of our tradition. There may be some of you in here that remember churches that rang the bell when it was time to come to church. 
you may, if you grew up in a certain church, have been the kid that rang the bell. But you know, they don't put bells in churches anymore. They're not part of the architecture you don't see, and Trinity is an exception. You don't see bell towers. You don't see steeples. Buildings just don't have bells anymore. And the churches that have bells, the trustees have gotten a hold of the bells. In Natchitoches, there is a bell tower. It's right under the, the front door to the church, and you walk in, and there to the left is a string hanging out of the bell tower, and it has a little note on it. The board of trustees announces that this bell shall not be rung. We cannot guarantee the safety of anyone who rings this bell. You may pull the rope and pull the bell down on you. And for 10 years, I looked at that rope and I wondered, what would happen if I pulled this rope? I just want to know. And bell towers, churches that have them are not ringing their bells, and churches that have systems of bells. We had a uh, Carillion at at Blackwater that people had lost the um, software for. It was an old DOS-based system, and... The bells were there. The computer to drive the bells were there. Couldn't boot up the program to make the bells ring. It's a shame that the church no longer can order the life of the community and speak to the community through bells. The bells in the ancient um, churches would ring at 6 a.m. The church got you up. They would ring at noon to remind you it's you're hungry or hangry or whatever vowel you put with the word. They would ring at 6 p.m. because it's time to go home. And my favorite bell, they had the curfew bell that rang at 9 o'clock at night. That meant, get home, Bubba. It's time for you to be in bed. The church had peals. Even if somebody had been executed, they could let you know by nine bells signified a male had been executed and six bells signified that a female had been executed. And even with the death of a person, they would ring the bell. And then they would ring it for each year the person had lived. It was a wonderful communication device that we have lost. I'm going to make a jump. Not only has the church stopped ringing its physical bells, the church has stopped ringing some theological bells that we need to pick back up and be pealing loud in our community. One of the bells that the church needs to re-ring is the bell of justification. And Paul is ringing that in the first five chapters of the book of Romans. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jews first and also to the Greeks. For it's the righteousness of God is revealed through faith, for faith as it is written. The one who is righteous will live by faith. And Paul makes the case that this righteousness of God comes again to us through justification. One of those great Methodist words, we believe in prevenient grace, God's grace getting to you before you're aware of grace. We believe in justifying grace, that grace that moves you from being a sinner to a child of God. And we believe in sanctifying grace. 
You know, somebody once accused some of us evangelical Protestants of being on the hamster wheel. We sin, we talk about justification, we sin, we talk about justification, we sin, we talk about justification. Well, sanctification is getting off the sin wheel. It's learning how to sin a little less in your life. But justification is what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to say that we need to start ringing that bell of justification. We need to acknowledge, whether we like it or not, that the problem in our world and the problem in our culture is not economic, it's not political, it's not related to any kind of rights. The problem in our world is sin. Human beings are sinful. Given the opportunity between choosing that which is good and choosing to sin, most will choose most of the time to do that which is sinful because it's in our nature. It's been in our nature since Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised by the evil you see when it is perpetrated by a sinful human being. Nod and go, human sinfulness. Brother Doug said we're sinners. Now, we clean up pretty good. I'm color-coordinated today. I'm a color-coordinated sinner. But we're sinners. Trinity has a raccoon problem. We can't keep them out of the church. They keep getting in. They get in on the weekend. And the one thing that Methodists do not want to see when they come worship the Lord is a raccoon running around in their Sunday school class. They get in the little hallways. They get little places and, and trip alarms. And we have to call the guy in Arcadia that, that takes care of varmints. We're on, um, I mean, we're on one of his frequent shopper plans where we get a discount for the raccoons. We had two in here yesterday. We had to call and say, come get them. They were itty-bitty little raccoons too, the little baby raccoons. They just get in the church. We're trying to figure out how to keep them out of the church, and we can't keep them out of church. My theory is that if we'll baptize them and give them a pledge card, we'll never see them ever again. <laughs> They're gone. Kim wants me to put them on committees so they'll never come back. But even as careful as we are, even as trimmed up as we are, even as plugged up as we are, here comes the little raccoons because little raccoons are just like sin. As much as you try not to have it in your life, it jumps in your life and you go, how did I do that or why did I do that? Because you're a sinner. James says to know to do good and not to do it's a sin. We know about that because Jesus told a story of a, of a man who fell among thieves. He got robbed. He got beaten up. He got thrown into a ditch, left for dead. And along comes a priest. And all the Jews listening to Jesus tell this story thought, that 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 blessed Jewish boy. It's so good. Here comes a priest. That priest will know what to do. That priest is a man of God. He's compassionate. He knows the law of Moses. He, he knows the Shema. He knows about loving his neighbor. Oh, that priest is going to do the right thing. And the priest 
walk by on the other side. Next up was a Levite, a lawyer. Oh, that lawyer knows what to do. He knows the law of Moses. He knows about compassion. He knows about, he's shown you, old man, what is good and what does the Lord require but to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. The Levite knows all that good stuff. He will certainly do something for the good Jewish boy. And the Levite walked by on the other side. And then along came a Samaritan, and the Jews listening in the audience went, Oh, no, a Samaritan. That poor Jewish boy. But the Samaritan does the right thing. The Samaritan puts the robbed man on his animal and takes him to the end and tells the innkeeper, I'm going to take care of him, and I've got to go to a business trip, and while I'm gone, whatever you spend on taking care of him, I'll pay you back. Which one did the right thing? The Samaritan. What does Jesus call us to do? Be good Samaritans. Do the right thing. When you know to do good and you don't do it, it's a sin. And then there are the other kinds of sins that we realize we're committing. We feel guilty about committing. We live in the hopes that nobody saw us commit them. And that's why Paul said to the church at Rome, Look, we know we are, we're justified And since we're justified by faith, we have peace with God. We don't have to worry about God chasing us down, about God getting us, about God being mad with us because we have given our lives to Christ. Our sin is buried with Jesus. We have been set free from the power of sin. We've been set free from the power of death. We have peace with God. And this comes because Jesus fixed the sin problem at Calvary. On the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And we've been forgiven and set free. So the problem in our world and the problem in our culture is a sin problem. And the church says, we got the bell. We're ringing this bell of justification. Your heart can be right with God. Your life can be right with God. No matter what you've done, you can be forgiven. No matter how heinous or dark the sin, God is offering you through Jesus Christ a new life and a second chance. But you know, we would rather come up short of that. We would rather fix all of society's problems any way we can other than acknowledging our human failures and our human sinfulness. Edwin Ramirez is a New York pastor. He's also a podcaster. And he said this in a recent interview. He said, when I was woke, I didn't realize how much resentment I harbored. Everything was about racism all the time. My whole ministry had become about racism. And if a white person did not see things my way, I convinced myself it was their racial bias that had left them hopelessly blind to social injustice. 
Ramirez said a change happened when he was attending a church service in a rural church. He said he was watching an elderly white woman sing one of his favorite hymns, and the truth hit him hard. That's my sister in the Lord. He said, I'd been so blinded by an ideology that divided people by skin color that I missed the blessing of the sufficiency of Christ's atonement. That ideology that divides people is rampant in our culture. To those missing that blessed, Ramirez offers sage advice, examine your hearts. What effect is reading oppression into all of life having on your soul? Is it giving you a sense of moral superiority or making you dependent on the righteousness of Christ? I know personally, he said, how a noble desire for justice can replace love in our hearts with resentment. By God's grace, I've been set free. You too can exchange the suspicion and rage of wokeness for the love and joy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we need. We need to ring that bell of justification that God op- offers us hope, that God offers us grace, that God offers us redemption in Christ. Would you stand and pray with me? God, set us free and help us ring the bell of redemption. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.